the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and to my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, June 26th, is, as you know, the Dies Natalis of St. Josemaria, the day which he died, died here on earth, but also the day in which he was born into heaven, Dies Natalis, the birthday. If we go back to 1944, at that moment in which St. Josemaria saw the need for priests in Opus Dei, he had been uh, he had been sort of growing in his apostolic work pastoral work was increasing and he finally was able to manage it to to have uh, blessed Alvaro del Portillo Jose Maria Hernandez de Garnica and Jose Luis Musquiz to have them ordained by the bishop of uh, Madrid Leopoldo Eijo Igaray Archbishop. And probably you know that between May and June of 1944, they received all the minor orders. And finally, on June 25th, 1944, they were ordained in a beautiful ceremony in the bishop's chapel, where our founder, St. Josemaria, didn't want to be present. He didn't want to be the center of attention. So he himself stayed behind in Diego de Leon to, to celebrate Mass on his own, to pray for them. And then afterwards, they had a, a dinner or supper with the, uh, with the Archbishop in Diego de Leon. It was a moment of celebration. But after the Bishop left, our founder gave the three new priests the meditation. You've just been ordained and you already get a med- receive a meditation. And uh, it wasn't them preaching, it was still him preaching. And that meditation, somebody took note. Uh, probably Blessed Alvaro took note of the words of our founder and they apply well to us today on his Dies Natalis, June 26. He said he insisted on the need for prayer and sacrifice, the foundation of our interior life, and on humility, individual and collective humility, on obedience, on professional work, on the loving fulfillment of the norms as the means of our sanctification. And then there's like a direct quote now from our founder in these notes. I don't want this day to be kind of historic, he said to us. And that's why when the years pass and those who will come in the future will ask us 
will ask you things about this day of the ordination, you will have to tell them quite simply. The Father repeated to us in the prayer, that of always. Prayer, sacrifice, fulfillment, loving fulfillment of the norms. And it's after that, he spoke to us of perseverance, of love for the cross, and that death will be a benefit for us. Death will be a benefit. And then he told us that in a few days, some of our brothers will be going off to distant countries to start the work there in other countries. Death will be a benefit. They've just been ordained. They're young. Our father himself, 1944, he's 42 years old. Death will be a benefit. Well, we all know that that day came in 1975, June 26. And he came after he stepped out of that elevator in Bilatebere, stepped out, walked into his office, and there he gazed for a moment at an image of Our Lady with Juan Diego offering her a rose, which she lovingly is accepting from the hands of Juan Diego. It was an image, as you know, that he had seen before and that was tender enough that he, he loved to, to gaze upon, like, like some images that we know of Our Lady that, that touch us in a particular way. And then, after looking at that image, he collapsed. They tried to revive him, but he'd had a massive heart attack, so it was too late. It's like going up that elevator was like the first step of our father towards heaven. And then when he got out of the elevator, he was, it's like he kind of like was moving up. He now he was like practically in heaven already. You know, he must have had some premonition of his death. He had said that he was no longer very useful here on this earth, that he would be more useful in heaven. And he'd repeat that phrase from the psalm, Vultum dum domine, requidem, Lord, I wish to see your face. A phrase that is placed on the tombstone of Father Peter Mullen and others, Father Jose Leon. In Montreal, Bultum Tum Domine, I wish to see your face, Lord. Requida. And he had been repeating that, and now that aspiration became true. Days after his passing, Don Alvaro had to gear himself up for what was coming, and he wrote a long letter detailing all those moments of what they did with with our father, you know, they, he was dead, they tried CPR, and, and then they brought him down to the Protestant church, and he describes all the steps of who carried him, and it's, it's, it's a detailed account of what happened, and then the funerals that took place, and all the, you know, the, like the condolences that came in, condolences from Paul VI, and uh, Secretary of State, and uh, bishops, and the funerals, and Santo Genio, all the details. He was giving himself up. And in all those details in that letter, the letter was called Nuestro Padre en el Cielo, Our Father in Heaven. I remember reading it at the time 
well, a couple of years after, really, not, not very long after. It was still kind of like a, like a recent thing. It was like among the last letters that you could read. <laughs> it was Nostro Paladin et Theodor in those days. And people would read it. I remember it was all like used up and had been read a lot. And when news went out throughout the world that St. Josemaria had passed away, people were kind of stunned. They didn't expect this. And many really felt that their own father had died. Funerals, of course, took place everywhere around the world. And it's one of those events that when people found out about the death, they, were, they knew where they were, that kind of thing. You know, because they really felt that it was their father who had passed away because God had granted our founder a deep spiritual paternity deep spiritual paternity, which in fact he handed on to his successors. And that spiritual paternity kind of embraced everyone that came in contact with him. And since it was a paternity that was completely supernatural, it could only have been strengthened by the fact of him going to heaven. And June 26th is that day when his spiritual paternity now turned into something that could be exercised from heaven, and he continues to do that now, from heaven. And the spiritual paternity that he is, we, all, we refer to him as our father, as somebody who's a protector, is a guide, somebody to emulate, but also somebody who wants us to protect that spirit that he received from God. He wants us to live that spirit, just as he had said to the first three priests when he had just seen the ordination. didn't see it directly, but after the ordination, he spoke about the essentials, you know, sacrifice, prayer, sacrifice as the foundation, and then humility, obedience, professional work, fulfillment of the norms loving fulfillment, and then love for the cross, perseverance. And actually, if we live all those things, death will be a benefit for us. We'll be ready for that crucial moment. I think uh, Father Joe Escribano was ready. He lived all those things. And Father Joe Escribano, who died yesterday at the age of 90, he had an amazing ability to bring you back to his own experience with St. Maria, his own experience in the early part of the work here in Canada. He would often recount things. It, you know, he would keep us on the edge of our seats with his get-togethers about meeting our father, about meeting Don Alvaro, about the, his first years of his vocation when he was a very young man. And the first years of uh, the start of the work here, he was one of the first persons to, to start anything here. Didn't know anybody, didn't have much money. It all started with this spiritual paternity of St. Josemaria, which 
you could say he received from God in the sense that he didn't expect that this was going to be how Opus Dei was going to turn out. He understood first something about sanctity in the middle of the world. He understood at first something about you know, forming lay people, work. But it didn't mean that he immediately understood that he was going to play this role of having a being father. In fact, at first he thought that they were his brothers, you know, like kind of like brothers in arms. In those days, uh, you know, in, in the Civil War and around that time, there was there was a lot of that tone, you know, we are brothers, we're fighting against the communists. You know. But our father was not at all, at all political, even though that was the tone in Spain at the time. They were like, the tone in Spain at the time, uh, it was like a, a massive crusade to protect the church against the Reds. And the preaching of our father was deeply embedded in scripture, in the gospel, the focus was over sanctity. And somehow that is what led to this spiritual paternity. He was able to open up horizons. He was like the former of saints, like he formed them. It's as though when people were around him, they would suddenly flourish, they would suddenly grow, they would suddenly be on fire with sanctity not on fire with undertaking some political events or, or, or some political goals. They were on fire with becoming holy, with whatever was at, within their reach. He provoked those desires in others. He opened horizons like only a father can really do. The phrase that stuck in the mind of one of those first uh, brothers of ours, uh, Pedro Casiado. He's got a beautiful book. And that, that is the phrase that, that stayed in his mind. And the title of the book is, Dream and Your Dreams Will Fall Short. A phrase that he heard from our father. Dream? You know, dream. Like, what is the greatest thing I could do? When he talks about dreaming, he says, the first thing I wanted to do when I was a young man, when I was a, well, even like a teenager, he said, I dreamed of, of going onto the ocean and being a sailor. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go and cross the Atlantic and, and just be a captain of my own ship and going to far off lands and navigating the dangerous waters. That's what I wanted to do. That was my dream. Until my mother found out. <laughs> and she said, you're not going out to the water. It's not going to happen. So I said, oh, okay. So I guess I'll be an architect. <laughs> you know, he, said he had a certain capacity to, to draw and stuff. and ah, That's what his father was. His father was an architect. You know. And then he began to dream about being an architect until he met our father. <laughs> well, then that dream of being an architect turned, turned like exponentially more powerful. And within a few years, he was an architect. And he was living in the middle of the world as an architect. You know, he had accompanied our father in the Pyrenees and the escape. And, and uh, you know, he too has had this powerful ability to recall those intense moments that he lived with a saint. Somebody he was convinced was a saint. 
And then later, of course, he too was ordained a priest, and he went to Mexico, and he's got all kinds of uh, beautiful stories. And he says that when he dreamed about doing Opus Dei, for him, that was going to be something that was going to be written about in centuries from now, like, like you know, like the 24th century. You know. then, then Opus Dei will begin to grow in the 24th century or whatever. Centuries from now, people will speak about this. That's when it's going to start to grow. But of course, little did he know that his dreams would fall short. That it was already now that things were beginning. And we too have to be people on fire, people with dreams, kind of nurtured by that spiritual paternity of our founder. And it's quite beautiful when you read the homily that St. John Paul II wrote on the occasion of the canonization of St. Josemaria. And in this homily, 2002, October 6th, Pope John Paul II quotes from St. Paul to describe St. Josemaria. He describes him by quoting St. Paul. He says, St. Paul said, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. From chapter 8 to the Romans, it's just around there where St. Paul speaks about omnia and bonum, all things work out for the good of those who love him. But the phrase that Pope John Paul II used was, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He said, these words of the Apostle Paul, which we have just heard, help us understand better the significance the significant message of today's canonization of St. Josemaria Escriba. With docility, he allowed himself to be led by the Spirit, convinced that only in this way can one fully accomplish God's will. To be led by the Spirit. And it all started when he was still a young priest. He'd been led by the Spirit in order to become a priest first, but he was still uncertain. He, was still, he knew that God wanted something of him, and he felt that if I were to be a priest, that accomplishing that something that I don't know what it is yet will be easier. And by 1928, a couple of years into the priesthood, what God wanted of him was still not clear. But he was involved in the ordinary, ordinary duties of, of a priest. He was, he was doing the normal duties, and now he had, he had been doing like all other priests did. He was on his retreat, on his priestly retreat. And then came that moment on October 2nd, 1928, during that retreat, when, well, he was like, you could say that, led by the Spirit. It was not, he did not describe the founding of Opus Dei as a sort of a personal discovery. He described it more as an illumination, a clear idea now of his mission, that now he had to change, that he had to strive significantly now for holiness. And he had this illumination. In other words, he was being led by the Spirit now. Somebody asked me recently, 
Father, why did Ozemaria, why did he do this? Like, what was his motivation in founding Opus Dei? What was his motivation? I thought, okay, wait a minute, what is his motivation? Why did he want to do this? I had never seen it framed like that. Like, well, in fact, it, he wasn't motivated to do anything. In fact, if, if anything, he would have preferred not to have gotten involved in this. That somebody else could be more capable. It was just that he received this il illumination. That's how he described it. He said, I received the illumination about the entire work. He said it, it involved a, a clear and general idea of his mission. It did not include details. But now something had come into the world that allows us to live by faith, to give real importance to earthly things. They're now means that we must sanctify on the way to God. He suddenly understood that sanctity was within everybody's grasp, everybody's reach. It was within his reach too. And that moment was like a major reframing of his life. His life had a different purpose suddenly. Suddenly all the time that he had spent in Madrid, his studies, his family, the intense political situation, the drama in the streets, his own health, it was now all seen through a new lens. Indeed, our life is made up of little things. You know, you have things happening here in your life, professional engagements, uh, studies to do, small small things to organize, talks to give. If only we could just like reframe this, not simply as something we have to do, I have to do this, but reframe it completely in the same way our Father would have framed it. That is, framed as an opportunity for personal holiness. That I always see everything as the primary way for me to be a saint. With what our Father said, you know, with the spirit of sacrifice, uh, with love for the norms, with prayer, uh, perseverance, love for the cross. I do all these things because I'm framing everything in terms of sanctity. And at the canonization, Pope John Paul II said that this teaching of his is still timely, and indeed it is urgent today. It is urgent. In virtue of the baptism that incorporates him into Christ, the believer is called to establish with the Lord an uninterrupted and vital relationship. He is called to be holy and to collaborate in the salvation of humanity. That was the new frame. And, and if what we really want St. Josemaria's spiritual paternity to keep having its impact on us, this is what we have to reawaken in ourselves today and see maybe it has become somewhat dormant, it's become somewhat passive. We have to reawaken it in others, help others to dream. We ourselves dream about this. It has to be a reframe. And uh, the other day, the Auxiliary Bishop of uh, Toronto, Bishop Kassun, 
celebrated the Mass of St. Josephine in Blessed Trinity Parish, and uh, he expressed it very, very well. And it's one of the, it was a very good homily, the way he described it. He said that when he was growing up, the idea of sanctity was something that was limited to priests, to limited to religious, the people involved in the kind of professional dimension of religion. Those were priests and nuns. And he said the sanctity was not something intended for lay people. And he remembered that his father told him what lay people are or what they are to do. His father told him, lay people, they're very good. They're very good. They have to pray, obey, and pay. That's what they have to do, pray, obey, and pay. And uh, of course, St. Josemaria received uh, the illumination to the call to sanctity, that this is a reachable goal, that is not just within the purview of one sort of limited uh, you know, line of, of people. But our Father, with this spiritual paternity, he attracted a lot of young people, a lot of professionals, but especially academics. They, they you know, they, he was like a magnet towards them. He, he would give them spiritual direction. He would help them dream about what God was really calling them to. He would preach retreats. He was called by bishops to preach. Even though this idea of preaching and spiritual direction was really the purview of religious priests. It wasn't the purview of secular priests or diocesan priests. They, they just did baptisms and limited themselves to run the parish. That's it. You know, not, not a bad thing, but, but the idea of a, a secular priest uh, preaching a retreat, it was just like unheard of. That was the, the religious priests. And somehow our father opened up horizons uh, and he said that all those common duties, those studies, uh, could be holy. He was charismatic, he was very humorous, he was a person that was fun to be with. And so it's good today to have recourse to his intercession so that he protect us, to help us always be led by the Spirit, as St. Paul says. To learn from his proactive role even now. He will intercede for us so that you know, we're always able to maintain on the essentials of life, but also that throughout our entire life, we might be able to be people who dream, who hand those dreams on to others, who help them to dream about the great things that others can undertake, not limited, personal, selfish, almost narcissistic endeavors, but to dream about sanctity, dream about transforming the society we're in. And uh, this has to be, something has to be reawakened. That we really see what apostolate God is calling us to. Of course, in, in the Mass of St. Josemaria, the, 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 the gospel is very appropriate. The miraculous draft of fish, with Peter and Andrew there in the boat. And... Uh, St. Josemaria had a very, very apostolic life. So many people that came around him desired to undertake great things, 
like Guadalupe, you know, when she met him, she discovered, wow, this is what God is asking of me. And she just gave her life completely. The invitation we will hear shortly, put out into the deep, the divine teacher says to us, and let your nets down for a catch. It's a beautiful passage from scripture that is so proper to our vocation. And uh, when our father recounts those early days, he, he, he told a group of people about you know, what he had then in the first days of the work. And it's interesting, that famous phrase that no doubt uh, you've heard before. He said, I had nothing but my youth, God's grace, and a good sense of humor. That's all I had. Nothing? Well, anybody can have nothing. Okay. I had youth, okay, and a good sense of humor. And I spoke to Jordan Peterson the other day uh, at the gala, and I told him, you know, that's, that's what I li would like to have always. <laughs> and um, youth, well, yeah, youth, yeah, I still have that, I think. God's grace, well, that's like, a, you know, that comes free, you know, with the, uh, you know, when you apply, you get a, a free version of that. You just get God's grace. And a good sense of humor. And he looked at me, he said, that's, that's a good thing to ask for, you know. And a uh, good sense of humor. And we talked about gratitude, the importance of gratitude, how it, gratitude has this uh, ability to uh, dissipate, dilute, and indeed destroy any resentment that can well up in our heart. Gratitude. I said, I have a chapter in my book about, <laughs> about that. So I took note <laughs> about how gratitude dissolves uh, resentment. He's got a whole, you know, few pages anyway on resentment very dangerous and I think our father gave St. Josemir a good humor like that was a special grace because it was like a good seed bed in which he could plant his seed the supernatural seed of the work it was like a specific plant that he wanted in his soul the plant of good humor and uh, this is what we have to have to. So many people who had encounters with St. Josemaria mentioned that good humor. He never took himself too seriously, which meant that he was free of resentments in his life, even though he might have had many reasons to have resentments of what people did to him, how he was slandered and attacked and maligned and misunderstood. And he could have stewed in the poison of resentment. But no, he just... Why? He was led by the Spirit was led by the Spirit. And the Spirit gave him a, a very massive dose of good humor. And that's what we maybe can ask today. We ask St. Josemaria to intercede for us. Father, that spiritual fraternity, Father, give me good humor today. No matter what happens. I fall on my face, I'm going to laugh. I, you know, make a big mistake, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to begin again. I'm going to start over. And that's why we can say that our death will be a benefit. Let's ask that of St. Josemaria, who will intercede for us in a special way today. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me. In this meditation, I ask you to put them into effect. 
my Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, to receive.